she'd use it again in her garden. When she visited, she brought packets of her own seeds, folded in scraps of envelopes and labeled with instructions. Her handwriting was precise and square. She gave each of us a particular plant, usually tomatoes and carrots and marigolds for my sisters, foolproof sorts of seeds, for they were impatient and neglectful gardeners. But for me, she saved the more fragile varieties. At the time of my next oldest sister's wedding, Grandma Lou was 84 and living alone, yet still weeding her large beds herself. And as she had for my older sister's weddings, Grandma Lou gave Jenny a mason jar layered with seeds from her garden. Round and round the colorful spirals of seeds curled in the fat-mouthed jar. Heavy beans and rich, deep earth tones held the bottom steady. Next came corn kernels polished in cheesecloth until they gleamed like gold. Flat seeds of cucumber, squash, and watermelon took the top, interspersed with the feathery dots of marigolds. At the very top, separated with cheesecloth, were the finer herb seeds of mint and basil. The jar was topped with a gleaming brass lid and a cheerful ribbon. There was a lifetime supply of seeds pressed into the jars, a whole garden's worth of food for the new couple. Two years later, Grandma Lou suffered a stroke, which forced her into an assisted living apartment, and though she was unable to attend my own wedding that year, I was delighted to see a mason jar amongst the brightly wrapped gifts at my reception. But unlike its predecessors, my jar held no graceful pattern of seeds, but rather a haphazard blend, as if all the seeds had been dumped into a pillowcase, then poured into the jar. Even the lid seemed like an afterthought, for it was rusty and well used. But considering Grandma Lou's state of health, I felt blessed that she remembered the gentle tradition at all. My groom, Mark, found work in the city, and we moved into a small apartment. A garden was all but impossible, so I consoled myself by placing the seed jar in our living room. There it stood as a promise to return to the garden. Grandma Lou died the year our twins were born, and by the time they were toddlers I had moved the seed jar to the top of the refrigerator where their curious little hands couldn't tip over my treasure. Eventually we moved to a house, but there still wasn't enough sun in our yard to plant a proper garden. Struggling yet courageous fescue grass vied for what little space there was between the dandelions, and it was all I could do to keep it mowed and occasionally watered. The boys grew up overnight, much like the weeds I continuously pulled. Soon the boys were out on their own, and Mark was looking at retirement. We spent our quiet evenings planning for a little place in the country where Mark could fish and I could have a proper garden. A year later, Mark was hit by a drunk driver, paralyzing him from the neck down. Our savings went to physical therapy, and Mark gained some weak mobility in his arms and hands, but the simple day-to-day -day necessities still required a nurse. Between the hospital visits and the financial worries, I was exhausted. Soon Mark would be released to my care, and at half his size I knew I wouldn't even be able to lift him into our bed. I didn't know what I would do. We couldn't afford a day nurse, let alone full-time help, and assisted care apartments were way out of our range. Left to myself, I was so tired I wouldn't even bother to eat. But Jenny, who lived nearby, visited me daily, forcing me to take a few bites of this or that. One night she arrived with a pan of lasagna, and she chatted cheerfully as we set our places.